Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Hey, welcome to the show. This is part two of a three-part series with my guest and fellow Olympic Project member, Todd Hill. If you didn't catch the first episode of this series, make sure to check it out and give it a listen. Todd and I continue our conversation on some of the exciting recent developments that we have been working on and we share our most recent infield experience. Fast forward again. Yeah. You and I had uh, been looking for a camp. We, we found a less desirable camp. Then we come across this newer camp. We decide not to set up our tents, uh, just park our vehicles, do a little exploring. I heard a possible whoop, an odd whoop, odd vocal of some sorts. And I'm never going to say it was Sasquatch. I Which don't know. Probably turned out to be one because. Given the, what we are going to get into, I have, uh, yeah, I got my opinions on that. <laughs> there was a. Uh... A lot that went on. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, there was a lot that went on. So, Todd, I hear this whoop and I come back to camp. You didn't hear it. And obviously, you're, you're deaf. Mm -hmm. You're setting up your backpack. You're getting, you know, your stuff together. I, I come back. I do the same thing. I get my backpack, my walking stick, you know, make sure my GoPro's on. This was just supposed to be a quick trip down to the ravine as quick as we could and back to set up camp. It's a quick scouting trip for the next the day. next day the yeah. next day is the big day <laughs> exactly what was supposed to be a short hike in exploratory hike initial hiking for todd to see the ravine turned out to be quite the experience and so you know as we're going down the trail there you know we're making sure our gear is going most of it yep no not perfect but you know we want to be semi-prepared in case something were to happen whether it's you know i mean I, I if a bear jumps out in front of me i want to have a gopro i just want to be prepared and uh this is on Friday, February 21st. Right. I'm working uh, four tens on my job. So luckily enough, I told Shane, I am going to have three day weekends from here until who knows when, and we can hit it. Right. Yeah. Head out on Fridays and stay till Sunday or I can come home Saturday, whatever, whatever we want to do. If we ever 
have any audio or video, whatever. And it's, I just want people to know this is Friday. It's not on Saturday. It's not on Sunday. If, I mean, I, I just want to be clear. Yeah, it's on no. a Friday afternoon. You know what? I'm glad you brought people it up. People say, oh, you should have been at work. No, I'm <laughs> working Monday through Thursday right now, 10 hour days. So. Yeah. Yeah. We, we start on our way along this trail. And it's, when I say trail, it's an old logging road. It's old skid road. It's not used. It's got grass over it. But the huckleberry and the salad, it's encroaching upon it. At times, it gets very narrow. Sometimes in the middle of the logging road, there's quite a bit of uh, salal growing on the ground. So it's, it's not used. It's an old no. skid road. That's it. But it ends. It ends at a certain point. And then you peel off and you just get into the tall huckleberry in the brush. And that's what we did. I couldn't remember the exact route that Derek and I had taken. I remember I was going, oh, I, you know, I think it was here. But you know what? I know the ravine's over this way. Let's do a straight shot out right. there. Right. I just want to do a straight shot there, straight shot back. I'm looking up. I can kind of get my bearing from the trees, our way in and out. That's what we did. So it's, uh, we didn't take the exact route that Derek Randalls and I had taken originally to when we found these possibly older it's nests. It's very difficult to even find a route. But there, there really is. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, once you hit the end of that little skid road right. and you peel off, I mean, there's no trail, you're bushwhacking from there on you're bushwhacking. There's no trail. There's no game trails in that area. See. No, I mean, you're the, the stuff's higher than your head. The huckleberry's yeah. higher than your head. You're bushwhacking, falling over, you're tripping. Sometimes you're intentionally crawling. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we just made our way and, and you were following me obviously because you've not been to this area, mm -hmm. but I knew where basically where the ravine was at and that's all I wanted to do. We're kind of talking about there. We're listening. It was a super quiet time out there too. And when you stop, it's super quiet. When you're going through the, the brush, you, you can't hear anything because you're smacking branches. It's smacking you in the face. It's hitting you. You got your gear rubbing against stuff, your clothing. But yeah. when you're moving, it's, you know, it's hard to hear. And we did that. We periodically would stop. And I stopped to get my bearing sometimes. And so we get really close to where I think the ravine's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and I come to find out, I actually kind of missed the large ravine. Where I took us was actually to a spot where there's a smaller ravine that leads into the larger ravine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a bit of a finger. So yeah. as we're getting approaching, it looked kind of appealing to me, but I thought, oh, shoot, it's right over here. I was wrong. It wasn't right over there. The ravine was actually a little more to the left. What happened was Todd's coming up behind me, and I, I get to an area where it starts to decline. I pass this, pass this cedar, and Todd's coming up behind me, and I hear him say something like, I just fell down. I just ate it. Yeah. <laughs> and he did. I heard it's him. Slippery. And you're stepping on roots and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when you will fall out there. So he, he ate it. And I, th I was about to giggle. But I was uh, several feet in front of you. And I passed this tree. And you were kind of still on the one side of the tree. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I started hearing down the hill, but to my right, which would have been about a little bit higher, I think, in elevation than where we were once yeah. we dipped. A yeah. little bit, it was, a little yeah. bit higher in elevation. I started hearing movement. And I thought, oh, shoot. And I listened. And then I got a little animated on the GoPro, you can tell, because uh, I think I, I dropped a few uh, bombs. Because I was hearing something that sounded like it was approaching us. And it was loud. It was big. So in my head, I automatically ruled out a lot of things. And, but in my head, I'm thinking bear. And yeah. we're being bum-rushed by a bear. We spooked it mama bear maybe cubs who knows so i'm like whoa i said shut up shut up shut up be quiet sort of mm -hmm. thing listen and then i realized that it was if, if it did indeed approach us it was no longer approaching us it was backing off but it was going down the hill down the slope 
it sounded methodical. It sounded slow, but it was breaking either stepping on sticks or breaking sticks yep. or limbs. And it was loud. Todd, you're deaf. Yep. And you could hear it. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was that loud to me. What I'm kind of stoked about is that I got GoPro video. I, didn't, I did not see anything at the time, uh, nor did I see anything after the fact. But what I was happy about was that I had this, the, the initial experience on GoPro. But what I'm unhappy with GoPro is the volume. The, it doesn't pick up really great. I still got to go through it and see if I can pull any audio out. By the time, it, it, I realized that it doesn't pick up great audio from a distance. No. Uh, not like what we were hearing. Todd did break out his phone and get some good sounds that came from that area. But anyways, we walk up this area. We have something moving. It's big. I think it's approaching us. Then it backs off. Todd and I are hearing this. It's moving down below us. And I couldn't tell if it's moving again away or not. I think it was paralleling us. At the same time, it wasn't just like crack, crack, break, break. It would be occasional stuff. You know, sometimes it'd be break, break, silence, break, break, crack, silence. When you first heard it, Todd, what, we, what was run through your head? Initially bear, obviously. And I drew. It's only the second time I've drawn a weapon out in the woods. Yeah. Second time ever. The other time was up by Greenwater. But you drew. I drew. This thing was moving. And it sounded big. Yeah. I could hear it. And you're just kind of, everything is happening so fast. It's like one second, two seconds, three seconds. This thing is like, it's not coming towards us. Okay. You know, the initial shock of it, mm -hmm. something's, something's moving. Oh crap. Oh crap. Then it's not coming towards you. So you're having to recalculate like what's going on. You're kind of looking left, looking right. Right. And it, it's moving to our left. And you got to understand too, folks, that this area is so thick. It's not as if we're like in a wide open yeah, area. You can't see. You can't see. <laughs> I mean, it's so thick with Huckleberry, very tall. And it's got slopes and different little creeks. We're at an elevated position at this point, still lower than where we were initially hearing the sounds. And, you know, I mean, all bets were off that time. I thought we were going to be bum rushed by a bear. It was much bigger than, say, a deer. Mm -hmm. It was definitely not an elk. Uh, but I couldn't rule out bear at the time. I could not rule out the bear, but I had my suspicions. I'll be honest with you. I had my suspicions based on what I was hearing. I only thought bear for two seconds, maybe. Yeah. And then we're like, so we're dealing with something else now because <laughs> the direction it's moving. It's moving. <laughs> and here's the thing. The direction it was moving, a bear will typically just vacate the area. They'll leave. They'll just leave. This thing not only moved down below us, very at times slowly because you could hear it moving occasionally but it would stop this thing end up kind of as we're listening and talking coming up with the game plan it started moving up up the hill and behind us up and around us that's not bear uh -huh. behavior it flanked us it flanked us and I, it was loud and i remember <laughs> i remember todd and i were talking i said well shoot either there's two of whatever this is uh -huh. or there's one but it's flanking us it's coming up behind us and I said, we're at a lower elevation. I want to go back We're up. at a disadvantage. And then oh, we, got, we were back to back with our guns out. Yeah. Because you're still facing where it came from kind of deal. And I'm facing where the new sound is. And that's when I asked you, what do you want to do? We're yeah. kind of trapped right here. Uh, during that time, I did make a little iPhone video. I'm going to be clear with that. I made an iPhone video during that with my gun in my hand and my phone in the other, because yeah. I'm thinking if something 
charges us. I'm recording it. <laughs> and I'm going to shoot it. <laughs> Both. Both, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was just one of the scenarios where all bets are up, but it sounded massive. It really did. And I've been in that area so many times, and I've ran into bear. I've heard bear, seen bear. This was quite different, and that's what uh, kind of blew my mind. So I was contemplating just completely backtracking out of that area, getting out of there because we're at a disadvantage. But what Todd and I did was we back up the hill, back-to-back, kind of listened for a while, evaluated the situation, and Todd said, hey, you know, why don't we go back down and check out where we originally heard this thing? And I'm thinking, I don't know if it's a good idea or not, but we're, let's do it. Sure. <laughs> let's do it. So, you know, after not hearing for a while, we creep back down to where we originally heard this thing. And as we're approaching it, I'm leading. And I come across a, a, a log on the ground that looked like something large had stepped on it. It looked uh, fairly fresh. Oh, it's kind of interesting. And we creep back up a little bit further. We're starting to get up onto this little finger, this little knoll, where we originally heard this thing come from. Oh, and there's definitely a like a, a wide trail where something has been walking, passing through. Everything's yeah. smashed down. That's what uh, tripped me out. Yeah. As I'm leading up there and I see this one initial log that looks like something big had stepped on it, smashed it. We keep going further and further up this hill, up this little finger. And then I start to notice what I, well, I think I described it as like someone took a weir through this area. It was just a, a well-used trail. Things been plucked. And I go, wow, this is fresh. And that day, at that particular hour, though it was getting, it starting to get dark, the sun was still out and was kind of gleaming through the trees right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking up and I'm seeing a lot of devastation on the ground. And I'm telling Todd, oh man, this stuff, this, something's moving through here. It's fresh. It's mm-hmm. fresh. Wow. As I'm looking up, raising my eyes off the ground, off this trail, and I start to scour the area where I think this thing was in, what do I see? I see huckleberry snaps, breaks from a foot off the ground to several feet off the ground to six, seven, eight feet off the ground. And they're all glistening in that sunlight. And I knew right away <laughs> those were fresh, 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 fresh. And they looked exactly like what we found in the original nest site uh, that we were led to find exactly the same sort of snaps and breaks. And I thought, Holy freaking moly. And I got goosebumps and I'm thinking, is there a nest up here? We stirred something up. And I, I was thinking that could not have been a bear. You know, I mean, couldn't say the absolute, but for me, giving the behavior, what it did, the sheer size and mass, I was thinking, no, that's not a bear. Yeah. And I was really glad that you really had the, you really wanted to go back down and check it out. And that's what we did. And we get down there and I, I see these huckleberry breaks. I flipped my lid. I was like, holy moly. Also, uh, that down tree, I could see it from my vantage point and all the bark was off. All the moss was off. It, the down tree in the, well, what we now call the new nest site. Yeah. That whole section was just um, white with what was something that had been rubbing on it or using it. I, don't, I didn't know at the time, but I'm like, look at, look at that. Look at that. You know, something's been, there's some kind of animal has been messing around with that tree a lot. That whole area was impressive right off the bat. I'm like, holy moly, we just found something unique here. I knew we did. I yeah. knew it right off the bat. And then I had two things going through my head. One, start looking down. I don't want to step on an impression. I don't want to mess this area up. And my second thought was, what did we stir up? Uh-huh. What's still here? What's not here? What's coming back? What time does it get dark? 
And I thought, you know, we need to bring uh, a third person, fourth person out here. I definitely want to get a hold of Derek. Derek needs to come out here. And so I made the call to backtrack out of there after seeing what we saw with it. Some of these huge Huckleberry breaks. Oh, man, which is amazing. I'm I still think, amazed by it. I think as soon as we went up that little rise and saw the Huckleberry, we knew what we're dealing with, which we thought we were kind of two, three seconds into the deal. But then we knew. Once we got in there, I knew, I knew what we were dealing with. And it was excitement, adrenaline, and also a little bit of fear. Because I was thinking, this is all fresh. And if this is fresh Huckleberry snaps, like really fresh. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking about the old, the original nest site. Why, they, why the Huckleberry was snapped off? Well, it was snapped off to make a nest. So I'm thinking, fresh breaks. Well, Maybe there's what? a fresh nest here. What's in that nest? Mm -hmm. Does something want to protect it? Because a lot of work's gone on in this area. I'm thinking, eh, let's come back tomorrow. So we slowly made our way out of there. Well, you know, I've always thought the nests, the, the medium-sized nests, and even the smaller nests for, were for young. Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. That's my opinion. And you think of that whole scenario and you're 20 feet away from a baby possibly or young, you're in big trouble. That was, <laughs> think, that was you know? exactly my thought because I thought I, I'm of the opinion that Sasquatch doesn't always make nests. They probably do more like beds and, you know, just lay down and, and find areas to shelter. in. I think the nests are made specifically in areas predominantly, not all the time, but where there's a Creek where there's a nice salmon run, where you have berries and grasses and all these other things going on, you want to hunker down, either have a kid, a baby, or you just had one and you just want to, re, you know, get your, your strength back and all that, especially in the month of February, where sometimes there's still snow, cold weather, but right on the cusp of spring. And, and that's the month that Derek estimated the old nests were built four years prior. Exactly. And there's February. A, yeah. But once again, you have that month up in this area. Not every year you, well, every year you do have a salmon and, and sort of fish run up there, but every couple of years, it's really prevalent. Now, here's the other interesting thing about this. We kind of had a, between Squatch Metrics and, I know Derek had thought about this, maybe it's a cycle. Yeah. Maybe it's like every four to five years, maybe four to six years. And here we are pretty much four years later. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing too. We literally stumbled onto this literally i could i could have gone 20 feet or 30 feet either direction totally missed this spot that was a freak thing what was not a freak thing was us being in that area and event you know we would eventually discover that probably the following day we know the pattern we know the area we know exactly where these things should be and that was our plan from the beginning when we were going to hit it hard, you know, in the spring and the summer is just forming a grid and exploring these ravines until we find something. Mm -hmm. And I mean, holy crap. By God. We found it the first day. <laughs> Which was crazy. Like I said, sheer luck. We could have gone either direction that day and completely missed it. And maybe that thing would have just stayed there and hunkered down, waited for us to leave. Because it let us get pretty dang close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it got, it let us get really close. It wasn't until I passed that tree and started actually descending and I was going to go right and get onto that little plateau, that little finger kind of stood out by itself. I think it, it knew we were there. Obviously you can hear oh, us trudging a through mile the away. We weren't sneaking. I in. think it was just waiting for us to keep on going by. Right. And when you turned that direction towards it, that's when it said, 
I'm out of here. It was, it was going to do one of two things come after us or bail. And it bailed. It bailed, but it, it kind of did in between that. It kind oh, of yeah. bailed in, went around and checked it. I think checked us out. So we get down there and this thing does what it does. So we decided to head out. Yeah. So we get back to camp. We finally make it back to camp. It's getting dark now. It's getting dark. I was really glad we made it back. Though we had lights and all that. I just didn't want to traverse that area in the dark. I don't even think I could go through that area in the dark. <laughs> no, you probably oh, couldn't. <laughs> man, it's bad enough for the day. So we make it back to camp and I finally get a hold of Derek. You know, he had, uh, once again, we're talking on Friday. He'd been working all day and, and I get a hold of Derek and he said, okay, I'm going to come out tomorrow morning. I'll bring uh, Tori with me. And Tori's Derek's wife and she's a part of the Olympic project as well. And we'll go check this out. And I'll be honest with you. I was enthusiastic with Derek. I told him everything. I don't think Derek really captured on to my excitement or what, what I think we, we found. Well, there's a lot of false leads in this business and a lot of hope and you're let down. And I know. But Derek, Derek knows me. And so I was like, yeah. Derek knows me. I don't get excited often. It, it very rarely do I get excited. And he's like, okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, we'll come out in the morning. Yeah. And, and I, I'll phone him. Like, I thought he'd be like, I'm coming there tonight and all that. But no, it didn't work out that way. And that was fine. I knew when he made it out there, he was going to be blown away. I knew it. You and I, Todd, were down there. We stopped. What we saw were Huckleberry breaks, snaps, a well-used trail some worn off logs. Yeah. We could tell something been in that area, but we did not venture any further because I didn't want to step on tracks and pre possible impressions. I didn't want to damage the area. I wanted to leave it pristine. No contamination. And I was kind of hoping the thing would come back. Mm. That was my goal. I was yeah. hoping it would come back. Well, we, we're back at camp. I talked to Derek. We, we go over that. He's going to come over the next day. Todd Hill and I placed our auto recorders out and built a little fire, made a meal. What time did we call tonight, Todd? Oh, I don't recall exactly. I'm guessing uh, around 10.30-ish. Yeah, it 10. was early night. I never stay up that late on these trips. I used to, but I don't do that anymore. I just want them to come in. Like, as soon as we go to bed, I try and stay, stay awake in the tent, and hopefully they come into our camp. And I remember waking up, I believe it was around 2, 2.30, and I was fumbling for my cell phone. I was hearing something move up kind of behind your tent and where our tents were spread out uh, a few feet apart. And I was hearing something move around. I got out once, flared around, didn't see anything in this area. Once again, we had quite a few pine trees in that area that were rather thick. I never saw anything, but something was moving around out there. Don't know what it was. I can't say could have been a deer for all I know. It just that hour, it was so quiet and something was moving around. So I'm thinking, Hmm, I'd better go out and, and flare. Go back to bed, and that was kind of my evening. Uh, I know you had something. You know, you want to talk about the, the tossing of the pebbles, <laughs> which was on, my audio, I on your an, audio. I had an audio recorder on the tire of my truck, which I always do. I always have one in camp on the tire of my truck, and then I set one outside of camp. Sometimes I have up to four audio recorders going. Mm -hmm. But that night, uh, something was throwing pebbles at my truck repeatedly during the, a certain period of time it was pretty late around the close to the time where you heard something behind our tents but one of the pebbles hit my exhaust pipe and it was loud and i picked it up on audio yeah and and that wasn't a heat ping what your truck no was, i was gonna yeah. talk about yeah that, you know i talked to cliff about it you know i've i've dealt with all that i've done a lot of audio for years right yeah and i i talked to david ellis about it 
I didn't know it was my exhaust pipe at the time. I told David Ellis, you know, something's hit my truck with pebbles. And he's like, are you sure it wasn't the engine cooling down? You know, all that. No, my truck had been parked for hours and hours, like 10 hours. So, uh, one of the, and it was consistent. The, the, Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, it's so obvious. Something is throwing pebbles and hitting my truck. It's crazy. It's super loud and show up on Sonic visualizer. And one of them hit my exhaust pipe. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I told David Ellis something was really loud. It just, it was so different than the other ones. He's like, well, next time you go back, he's like, pick up the same pebbles around your truck and start throwing them at your truck bump or your wheels. Your just, and I did that and it was the exhaust pipe mm-hmm. where it comes out behind the back tire and it was an exact match. I'm like, that's what it was. That's what it was. So that means whatever was throwing the pebbles was between my truck and our tents our, and our on tents. the inside of camp because the exhaust pipe was aiming towards our tents. I would have thought it would have been on the tree side, like the other side. Per- that makes perfect sense to me because if you it's, think about it, all the little pebbled stuff that we found are going to be close to our, in that area. It's going to be a little bit more difficult so, to find them off trail. Yeah, so that means that this area. thing was between us and my truck inside the camp area. You know, it wasn't yeah. on the other side of the truck, the, the wood side, it was on the oh, there's open no way. side, which kind of blew my mind when i discovered that <laughs> i know and that's just so we had that happen that night we didn't uh, see anything we heard some stuff uh, the audio stuff you found later on wasn't you discovered it that night something also was was messing with something in the back of my truck and i don't know what it was right because i leave there's like a uh, hot dog forks and an axe you know there's a bunch of stuff i just leave in the back of my truck with the tailgate open and something move something in the back of my truck can't say it was that right right i mean with all the stuff going on who knows i mean (laughs) yeah back of your truck is kind of interesting isn't it yeah i'm like ah it could have been a raccoon or a possum but then something's throwing pebbles at my exhaust pipe and that's right there in the open yeah it wasn't in the trees not in the cover it's kind of i have pictures i mean well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, I wouldn't blame something you, you and a Ford. So I would, I would, I was surprised there wasn't boulders being tossed at it. <laughs> yeah. Ford, the best truck. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. So we have the next morning, wake up, make breakfast. Uh, we're waiting on Derek. Derek actually didn't show up till after 10. It's pretty late. I was. Yeah. We're waiting around. We're like super excited, ready to go. We're amped. We're pumped. And we're waiting on Derek and we're waiting on Derek. <laughs> yeah. And I've come to find out. No, they parked in a different area and decided to hike in. (laughs) And you don't get like the best reception out here. So yeah, they decided to hike in from a different vantage point. And I'm thinking, what the frick? And yeah, they eventually made it out there. Here's Tori and Derek coming down this area. Oh, hey, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah. We're all ready to go. You guys already had breakfast? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So, you know, we get going pretty quick. We find the area that we entered in, that you and I had entered in the night prior, and start hiking in. Got a little twisted around. Got a li- I, it wasn't perfect. I, m- I remember thinking, oh, it's a straight shot here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wrong. I, I messed up a little bit. But here's the thing. We eventually, I think we messed around for about an hour. Eventually make it into, I, I start recognizing stuff, as did you. And I'm yeah, like, okay, we're here. It's hard to get through that, that kind of terrain. You know, and you you think you, okay, there's this tree. We recognize this tree. There's, but, oh boy, you know, when you're 
coming into a new area just for like the second time, everything looks the same. Absolutely. I remember getting up on this one snag and thinking, oh, here we go. And I knew we were there. Yeah. And then I get up to the tree and I stop at the tree that you tumbled behind and the one I went past and, and, and then heard, traversing down the hill and heard what I heard originally. Yep. We got to that tree. I say, I tell Tori and Derek, I said, we're here. We have found it. So I had waited for them to get everybody to get right up there and we start trekking in. That part was easy after that. I knew exactly where to go. Oh, yeah. Because I could see the, the little knoll there, the little finger. And I start going. And as I'm going, I see that first log on the ground. Um, once we start going towards up towards the, the finger, I start. I see that log that something large had stepped on. And I purposely avoided stepping back on it because I wanted it's to show. rotten. I want to make that clear. Yeah, it's, it's rotten. Not, it could have been a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it could have been a bear. Could Yeah. But it was quite a heavy impression. Oh, I, yeah. But it leads right up to this path of destruction that uh, I wanted to show Derek and everybody else and Tori. And so um, when Derek saw that, I could see his, <laughs> his interest start peaking. And then we get up and I stop at the, there was another log that actually had a, a large impression on Someone had stepped on as well. Another dead rotten log. And he sees this. And I said, now start following that log there. Pull your eyes up. And he's looking at it. And I said, it's like a weedier came through. I mean, it's like something, devastate this little area and it's maybe a foot foot and a half wide on the ground and Derek starts traveling and I said now look around you and Derek starts looking up and I forget what he said but it was kind of like a euphoric moment because he started seeing all the huckleberry breaks yeah and then light bulb Derek boom yes yes this is interesting now and then we went further yep yep and Okay, so we, <laughs> we go further, and we went further than Todd and I had originally gone the night prior. We started going further and further in, and that's when uh, I think Derek and I almost simultaneously, now we were seeing the, the, the breaks and really starting to see some of the really tremendous huckleberry breaks, over an inch in thickness, some peeled, some broken, some four feet, one foot, some eight to nine feet off the ground. We're starting to see all this and take it in going, okay, this is, yeah. Well, off to our right, kind of where you saw that, that fallen tree, that log that was off the ground, maybe, what, four feet off the ground? Yeah, that, that really disturbed me the day before. Yeah, but and I really... obviously not natural. And I actually recorded it on my phone that first day, mm -hmm. just because I'm like, I don't know if we're going to get back here. I don't know what's going on, but I'm right. going to document this on some video, at least. So, going in there with Derek, I'm actually filming with my phone also, because I wanted his very first impression i captured all that too <laughs> oh yeah 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 so as you're filming derek and i walk up there we peer over and right in that area the general area of the that log that kind of stripped four feet off the ground there on the ground is an absolute gigantic pile of huckleberry boughs limbs on the ground brand new brand, brand spanking new and it wasn't even quite formulated into a nest. It was more of a pile, but you could see the beginning stages of it. And Derek and I look at each other and, and he goes, you, you know, we did it. You guys did it. You did it. We found a new <laughs> nest and, and actually newer than you could imagine. It wasn't even a, quite a nest. It was being formulated. It was one of those big high five moments. It was awesome. When I saw that, and I, I had a feeling. We both had a feeling okay. that we were going to find a nest and there it was. 
One Derek, big ass pile. Everyone was freaking out. Derek really freaked out and actually scared Tori. Yeah, scared the bejeebus because he was just like, "Woo, yeah." It was, yeah, it was uh, very exciting, very exciting. After all these years, it, it well it just validated for me our whole experience on that the day prior, and that we were looking in the right area. We actually came across, and I don't care if people want to argue Sasquatch did it or not. I don't care. I don't care either. I know I'm almost 100% sure well, exactly with all the stuff we pulled out of no, there. I'm, I'm like 100% yes. sure what made that thing exactly. the point the <laughs> point being is we replicated you know not a nest per se but in one in the making no doubt about it after all those years and we actually stumbled across it based on our consistent research in these areas our consistent mythology our pursuance of trying to find another nest whether new or old and we found uh, quite a gold nugget, one that was in quite probably in the making of <laughs> with the culprits doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that just blew my mind. I mean, blew my mind. We explored that area some more. Uh, there was an oddity in that area. There was a fallen log, very large log with a, a little bit of a den in it with a huge pile of dirt. And the huckleberry was kind of spread out. I mean, it's a lot of huckleberry. At first I thought, where did all this huckleberry come from? But once, you know, after we spent some time in there, I realized there was a lot of bow breaks, a lot of huckleberry breaks from all different heights and from five feet away to 20, 30, 40 feet away in that whole area. I mean, it's being brought to that one little spot. And there was like this bit of a cubby hole that was so odd to me at the time. And the huckleberry was actually being almost like shoved in there to the point where it was almost blocking the entrance of this, um, this hole. So odd. odd. I've never seen anything like that in any or any of the books, any videos, any, I've never even heard of this kind of thing ever in this research. Right. <laughs> and I just kept standing there going, what is that hole? What is that hole? You know, it's so weird. And besides everything else going on, you know, where it's like, there's so much stuff going on. You're just standing there. You're, there's too much to take in, you know, put it, the pieces together like one by one. And remember while we were there, when we got there, Something was about 40 yards out circling yep. around us yeah. in the bush towards our trucks. Uh, we heard that and uh, once again, didn't see anything, but definite movement out there. I heard it more than once. Yep. And I have that on video too. Quite the documentarian there. Well, Mr. I've, uh, I, learned my lesson. I learned my lesson on a, a few trips in the past yeah. of not documenting with video, audio pictures. And then, you know, I rather have a, stuff that i can just delete or get rid of i mean you never know what if something was there what if something came up on us i want to film it <laughs> yeah you know better looking at it before and being prepared uh, yeah we've all learned the hard way and this is before i had my nice little gopro set up oh no you're you're quite uh set up now for yeah. sure so we didn't take anything we did a little bit of um, observatory stuff we observed the area I did notice some hair on some branches. Uh, I noticed uh, some possible impressions, but we really just were kind of, we didn't want to encroach on there or really disturb anything. And so our next approach when we we're out there was, okay, what's our next step? What's our next step? And, you know, collectively, you know, so well, we got to reach out to Dr. Meldrum, yep. you know, he's been involved with the original nest site. We got to get him out there. I know Derek and I had talked a little bit about Cliff and I, you know, I wanted to reach out to Cliff and tell him, and so that was kind of the goal. Definitely reach out to Meldrum, see if he can come out, and then we'll get Cliff involved too at some point. 
you know, after researching that area a little bit, we peeled out of there and went back to camp with just so many questions. And then um, kind of make a game plan to head back out there ASAP. Um, that Sunday, we all peeled out and left. Uh, it was raining. I remember the, the weather was kind of nasty. So, yeah, we take James Millen out there Monday morning. Derek Randalls and, and myself, as all three of us went out there to do a little exploring. James wanted to see the area. So we went out there. We hiked in. Uh, once again, we didn't touch anything. We were just kind of exploring. We wanted to see if we can find anything new, find any, if there's any other nests out there. It was just the one in, in construction. And so while uh, Derek and I were at the main nest site, James went off looking around, down the hill, all around. I don't know, maybe 45 minutes later, while Derek and I are kind of doing our own little exploring, James Mailing comes up and goes, hey, I found something interesting. We're like, well, what'd you find? Because Derek and I were pretty confident. We maybe found a good impression. So, well, uh, come check it out. So we leave the, that, that new nest site area, the little finger there, and we head up and around and then back down the hill. Basically, we're Todd, where you and I heard this thing circling up around us, basically, where we had stood days prior. That's where James went down because I told him that, yeah, I think this thing circled up around us. So he mm -hmm. said, well, let's go check it out. So he went down and checked it out. And he actually found two hand impressions uh, on the slope that basically exactly where this thing probably was. There was a left and a right hand. They were, one was really impressive in, in person. The other one, you can make it out, but it was in the, obviously the debris, the leaves. But you can make it out. You can make out a palm, definitely the fingers. But the left hand that was behind a log, that one was super impressive. And so, I mean, we were just flabbergasted. Here we go. It really backed up our story, what happened to uh, you and I. It was a good-sized hand. It wasn't absolutely massive. And that kind of ended that. We covered it up because we were going to cast it. And we decided uh, then to uh, get Cliff Berrickman out there. Um, we were kind of going back and forth. Do we take soil samples from it? You know, so they can do some eDNA or something on it. Well, this is a, right around the time when this whole COVID thing started ticking off. And that was our initial plan was to take soil samples. And then uh, stuff started going south. And, and Meldrum was going to fly out. Yeah. Um, I didn't even touch upon that yet. But yeah, Meldrum, Dr. Meldrum was going to fly out. We had plans. Um, basically, he was ready to jump on a plane, fly out. And um, that got eventually got canceled. Because um, really, by this time, we're in March now, and the, the whole virus thing took off. We actually made the call. We said, I know Derek really made the call there, but we didn't want Meldrum to take the chance to come out, be you know, stuck on a plane, and we just didn't want to take the chance. And so we didn't have Meldrum come out. We decided to bring Cliff Berrickman in. And uh, that's actually when Cliff actually came out. And it wasn't his first time out in this general area. Like I said, he's been working with us and been out to the nest site before. But that day he came out, Todd, you really, you, you came out as well. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time with Cliff down. Uh, Cliff got to view the nest, mm -hmm. the new nest. He got to look around. Uh, I mean, but he also, uh, he got to cast the, the one hand impression. We, we decided to cast the best of the two at the time, which was the left one. Yeah. And you spent a lot of time down there with, with Cliff. Yeah, I documented it. Uh, I filmed that whole thing. A lot of photos. Um, I think you should describe in detail a little more where the handprints were. So basically where these, there's a, there's a game trail that this thing obviously would have walked on 
and where we walked on and stood. And the hand impressions were above this game trail. It looked to me like this thing had either crouched down and put its hands on there or used that to get up the hill because further up the hill was another game trail right there above the, the right hand. There's a large tree there, and then there's a game trail that goes up the hill, which would have been the path I would think it, it, where it circled up around us. That would have been the path it took, and it was disturbed. And, uh, and the, the, well, the pitch of the slope, I mean, it's pretty steep. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. It was really steep. And while Cliff was casting that, I was looking around and then noticed that the destruction straight up that, straight up that ridge to that trail, all the ferns were uh, broken, destroyed. You know, it was clearly something big. It just moved straight up that hill and it led. And that's where the handprints were. Yeah. When it got to that trail, it stopped and put its hands there. It's just, it's pretty incredible because that's what we heard the initial day, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, it really backed up uh, what, what we encountered and uh, what we thought was happening, what was transpiring. It really backed it up. And uh, the, the hand impressions, especially that left hand, which, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll definitely share pictures. Cliff's already shared it, I believe, on Twitter. He casted it. It was extremely, uh, just about everything we've casted out there has been extremely difficult to cast, not just because of the substrate and the soil. A lot of stuff's on hills. And yeah. so <laughs> I've experienced casting, but Cliff is 10 times better than I am. And so he brought up some material to cast this stuff on a slope. He was ready to go. Anyway, he had to use a lot of plaster. A lot it was of, like 15 pounds. Yeah, and the majority of that went to keep it from sliding, you know, the, back, the very back end of the palm area. He had to build that area up yep. and move forward because, you know. We had to build a huge, huge, a dam. huge dam. With I was collecting little sticks. And, the, and yeah. yeah, the bottom part of that cast is really, really thick because it's such an angle. Yeah, he's cleaned it up. Uh, I know he's made copies and he's cleaned it up a bit so that that huge chunk is not there. I mean, on the original. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But the, the hand impressions, I know Cliff was enthralled because the thumb was, it was, the thumb on the hand is at lower set, which, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's very uh, primate-like, very gorilla-like almost. His hands are not the largest no. we've seen, but they're much larger than human. And it's the first hand prints I've ever seen in person like that. I mean, they're really, really impressive. Yeah, the, the fingers are very thick. Uh, they're not super long fingers exactly what i would imagine a, a, a sasquatch hand would look like and, and very similar to other hand casts out there along that day we did discover some possible other impressions not in that area but actually in the the nest area itself I, doing a little bit of exploring we did find hair which uh, a lot of this hair i still have i've been a lot. a lot of hair in baggies now that this whole covid thing not jumping ahead here but as the it progresses there won't be any dna work done on this stuff It'll probably be just visually analyzed. I got, I know for a fact I got some known animal hair. Um, definitely, you know, known critters. But some of it has got me very, very curious based on where we found it, how we found it. You know, when you find hair nine feet off the ground in a broken huckleberry. Well, I was going to say, some of the hair I found was about six feet up. Oh, yeah. And some of the, those little forks of the huckleberry. Backtracking a little bit. So Cliff casted that hand impression. And Cliff casted that. I know he had, he had to let it set for a while. Derek and I had to take off, and so we did. We peeled off. You stayed around with Cliff. What else did you guys do out there while, while we took off? We were just looking for hair in the huckleberry and, and impressions. Um, it's kind of funny. I did find 
I did find hair that you guys had missed. But the funny thing was, 15 minutes after you guys left, Cliff and I heard two clear knocks. And mind you, all the different days we've been going there, we've heard knocks, we've heard whoops, and there's a lot of movement going on. It's all the time. It's like more than I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and so it's kind of significant that we, we heard those knocks when you guys got to the trucks because the first or second night we were there, we heard knocks around our camp when someone would come or someone would go and you guys were leaving and we heard two knocks and there were two of you. I don't know if that's just coincidence right? or it was pretty interesting because it's, it was loud. I heard it. Cliff and I stopped what we were doing. We were, we were kind of whispering, just listening, listening. We didn't hear anything else after that. We did find impressions, uh, feet, not hands that day. right. And foot, foot impressions and a lot more hair. I collected hair. So we were in there probably another hour, and then we peeled out of there. We went a different way back. I kind of got turned around. It's, yeah. it's really not that easy to navigate. I made a kind of a left when I was kind of supposed to go straight when I was like halfway out of there. And, but we did find, um, we didn't find anything having to do with Sasquatch, but we did find that spring, and we were looking for tracks in there. We didn't find anything. But It's a great fresh spring. I mean, we were bushwhacking for a while. To yeah. get back to the road. Oh, you can get turned around in there easily. Easily. But I, I was apologizing. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I made obviously made a wrong turn, but the trucks are this way. I know what direction we're going at least, you know. It's happened to the, the best of us. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys obviously found some other stuff and you came back and there was other things for like for Cliff the cast. Uh, the other uh, right hand impression, which was, you know, a little more ambiguous, but it was there present, but it was in that leaf litter. Yeah. There was one or two possible foot impressions but we told cliff to hold off because we want to see how we want to approach this not disturb the area we want to see if this thing came back too yeah so moving forward you know cliff takes off you take off and then we start looking into this and like i said this whole virus thing the covid thing is really it's picking up pace obviously dr Mellon's not coming out we're looking at trying to get samples collect stuff the weather is about to turn south. It, like we're, we're looking at heavy rains approaching. I'm thinking, shoot, you know, do we not go in there and just sit back or do we go in there and collect what we can now? And Derek and I had this conversation. I remember calling, I was talking to Cliff and I said, well, maybe we should just go in there and, and finish casting this stuff. Collect the, the bedding material, look for more impressions and cast the other hand cast. So Derek, you know, said, yeah, let's, let's, do this um Derek couldn't make it out so I called Cliff up gave Cliff to go ahead to come back out if he wanted to he's like oh heck yeah I'll come out and and cast that hand impression and we'll we'll uh, the second hand impression we'll collect stuff and look for more impressions he basically turned around came back up the Wednesday same week and uh, hiked out there cat started casting that hand uh, second hand impression it wasn't uh, like I said not the best of materials to cast in with the leaf and debris matter and still on a slope but you know clip was going to do his best to get it casted clip always says you know he always says you know when in doubt cast it and so he he did cast it and that was down the slope and where we think this thing circled up then we casted that then we decided to go to the the new nest site find which is it's up the hill a ways up on that finger and we go back in there and i did bring 
sacks with me in case we were going to collect debris. So I call up Derek again and said, Derek, you know, and the weather's, it's starting to, you know, turn. We have cliff out there. We're finding impressions. I'm thinking, you know what, let's just collect this stuff. Now I have gloves. I can mask up, take the, the proper procedures to get it all collected properly. And I look at Cliff and I said, I think we should just collect this stuff now and scour this area for more casts, more impressions. Called mm-hmm. Derek up just to make sure he was cool with that. He said, just go for it. You know, right now, um, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this whole virus thing. And so let's just get it done before the weather turns and we start losing stuff. So I start collecting some of the samples of the huckleberry. I start taking some of the huckleberry breaks, uh, taking those samples. Then I start focusing in on why Cliff is scouring the area for hair and other impressions. I start taking samples of the, the nest, the actual nest itself. And uh, there's a burrow, which we kind of touched upon earlier. There's a burrow there in a log, a large burrow that uh, a lot of this huckleberry was covering up. And while I'm collecting this material, I, I can't believe how much material is there. It's, it's a couple of feet thick in spots. There's so much huckleberry. Cliff finds an impression up kind of near where you found some hair, Todd. Yeah. He finds this impression and he tells me to come over there and I check it out. And it, well, it looks definitely like a foot impression. Once again, in the leaf matter and whatnot, I was, it was going to be difficult to cast, but you know, he's got, Cliff brought like 50 pounds. Of yeah. Hydrocal. Hydrocal. <laughs> we, we had loads of hydrocal. So we're just going to cast everything we see. He starts casting that one and I go back and start collecting more of the, the nest material, all the huckleberry stuff. Which has tons of hair in it too. Tons of hair in it, yes. <laughs> tons of hair in it. And on, uh, I noticed that where this burrow is that's in this fallen tree, it's a large burrow, it's been dug out. There's a large pile of dirt off to the right of this uh, burrow. Large pile of dirt. And where the huckleberry kind of, the huckleberry is kind of half covering up this pile of dirt. And I see what looks like a hand impression. It looks like fingers, but just the, just the tops of it. And I couldn't make out, you know, for sure that if it was a hand impression or a paw print, I couldn't quite make it out, but it looked like a hand impression. So I told Cliff to come over and check it out. Cliff goes around, being careful, he goes around the other side of this tree to get a, a better view of it. And we're trying not to trample stuff. And Cliff looks at it and he goes, that looks like, yeah, it looks like a hand. That's interesting. So we pull back more of the material and you could basically make out some fingers and we look like the basically part of the palm it looked like something had basically put its hand down and used it to steady itself while maybe it was move, maneuvering the huckleberry branches around or now this gets more interesting so you got this possible hand impression there and as i'm collecting material clip's got that other impression casted the one that's a couple yards away so he comes over and starts helping me bag up this material and we're being very careful because we don't know what's underneath underneath the, this, uh, the huckleberry nest. We don't know what's underneath there. And we're gathering it up, gathering it up, and lo and behold, Cliff notices what looks like a foot impression underneath the, you know, several layers of this huckleberry, you know, stuff. And it looks like a definite foot impression. And it's mere feet away from the hand impression. I mean, it was very impressive in person. I don't know if the cast turned out great. Um, I know Cliff took video. We both took video. We took measurements. It was, I believe, around 14 inches. Yeah. So. He, cast, he starts casting that one. I, I'm, I'm moving more material, being very careful. And we notice what looks like another foot impression. So maybe, a le- uh, actually, at first we thought it was a left and a right foot. Now looking at it, it looks like it was a right foot and another right foot, meaning that this thing had moved positions, 
you know, it had, you know, basically had, it was, had its foot down on the ground and then probably stepped again next to it. So it's a right, right. But they're both very clear in person, right? Uh, or foot impressions. And we're like, man, this is crazy. We were pretty excited about it. And Cliff goes ahead and, and casts that one as well. And then we focus on the material. I start bagging up more material. I, that day I probably bagged up uh, maybe five to six paper bags. And I got these bags from the Home Depot. They're like big um, long leaf bags. They're big. They're huge. And so I got a lot of material in them. And I probably filled up, I think that day, five bags and uh, left a couple there. You know, when we eventually made our way out, I, we both carried a couple out, but it's, it was an absolute nightmare because you're trying to carry casts. We did multiple trips, taking the casts out and the, <laughs> the bagging material. But the, we get to the point where Cliff decides to cast that possible partial hand impression on that soil, soil that was next to that den or that cubby hole. And uh, we cast that one. And once again, it was on a slope, so very difficult to cast. He had to use a lot of material again uh, to cast it. I was really curious about this den, this, this hole there. And my gut feeling to this day is that that uh, was probably, probably not used by a Sasquatch. I have a feeling that was an old bear den and the huckleberry literally was shoved all the way up there. It was almost like either cover up that hole or I, I don't know. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, that den? My initial thoughts were that's where a juvenile or a baby possibly could have been this little cubby hole shoved full of huckleberry and it was like a little bed. It was like a little a cradle down in there. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I've it never was, seen anything like that. It's very deep, but you know, that's, that's typical bear behavior. And I just, I got a feeling that was probably an old bear den and either the Sasquatch moved in or the bear vacated. Why, you know, I don't know the answer there, but right. it would, that, that hole was about covered up. And you could barely see it with all the huckleberry. You can make it out. But once I started moving the material from that area, and we're talking about, you know, a couple of feet in depth of huckleberry branches. And then also it was over seven feet in length as far as um, how far it was spread out all the way up to that den. And when I started moving that material, I just couldn't get over how much huckleberry. I mean, I, I, I got to wonder. You know, what else was interesting about that whole area was that there was another really um, deep impression that was very similar to the original nest site find, you know, that bowl-shaped. I don't know if that was, uh, you know, off to the left on the other side of that fallen log. Yeah. Don't know if that was the beginning, uh, if that was going to be a nest there. I, I was always thinking, like, okay, you got this really deep bowl where something's either laid down or wasn't dug out, but laid down. You know, it, just, it was really odd. It was another odd impression there that I think might have been there was so much material what I'm getting at there was so much material gathered I'm wondering if it was a gathering and then going to start formulating nests uh in different spots or it was just going to make one big one I don't know I mean I can guess all day but there was so much material it was pretty mind-blowing it was unbelievable <laughs> how much was collected from all around that area you should mention the smell yeah, I'm trying to think when who smelled it first because Cliff smelled it. Cliff, and then when I went in there, yeah. I said it smells weird in here, like sweet. In there, rusty. it was it was also on the the some of the material itself, right? So you had that, you know, there was just so much material, and I remember Cliff when he was out there, as he got closer to that, like the little den area, but also not in there per se. He goes, 
man, it's a weird smell. It's almost like a tobacco smell. And I, I started smelling it too. I'm like, wow, it, it was such an odd smell. It, it was almost like he said tobacco-like. And we just couldn't wrap our heads around it. I've not quite smelled anything like that before, especially in the woods. Um, I've never smelled that before. I also want to mention the, the first day we went out there with Derek, I smelled a stink. I don't know what that was. And that's actually the second time I've smelled that in the nest area. It's like a cloud of stink. <laughs> and it, I don't know what it is. You know, it's not us for sure. It's, it's I mean, I have no idea. You people describe that before. And I've experienced that twice now out there. It's an animal smell. I don't know what it is, though. It's gnarly. It just, like, hangs there in the air. <laughs> right, right. But the, the smell in the little cubby hole was sweet and musty. It was it, interesting. Yeah, like I said, it's it, like a sweet tobacco smell, almost like chewed tobacco. It's, it's odd. It was odd. I even picked up the huckleberry and just smelled it. In other look like, oh, maybe it's the huckleberry itself, but it's not. <laughs> oh, no, no, it wasn't. It was it's something. It's in the din. Yeah. Whatever the that area. Is. Yeah. Another oddity, obviously. Now, we collect, uh, we, you know, Cliff and I finished collecting the material. Everything's casted. We do a couple of trips in and out of there. We don't know how everything's going to turn out, obviously. We go down and collect the right hand down the hill. So we did two or three trips in and out of there, both to collect more casting material and to bring casts out as we were finishing them up and they were drying and to take a bag or two out of the time of the, the debris of the nest. And we pretty much wrap everything up that day. I mean, I didn't get all the uh, nesting material out that day. Far from it. <laughs> there was so much. We collected a lot more the following Friday or Saturday. Yeah. When you came back out and, yeah. and I was actually back out there with Derek like two days later. Two days later, and we collected some more. I mean, so I, I mean, in my garage, even right now as we speak, and I've gone through some of it looking for hair. Um, obviously, there's going to be hair from all sorts of animals, but you know, I'm collecting amber keys of hair I can find. But I, right now in my garage, I had like ten bags of debris that I've yet, to, well, about eight yet to go through, and that still is not even everything. I didn't collect every single piece of huckleberry pile or what. There's still more out there, but Cliff and I did finish up what we, we thought was a good day of casting two more hand impressions. And we head out and uh, Cliff takes the cast with him because he's going to let them set for a couple of weeks and then clean them up. So I was totally happy with that. They're in good hands. He can make copies. He can let them set. They're in good hands. So, you know, we hike out part of separate ways. He goes back to Oregon and I go back home. And then that following Friday, you came back up, Todd. Oh, yeah. It was getting intense. Like, Every weekend we're back there. You know, I'd work the four days and come back to the nest site. And when you're on that roll and stuff's going on, you know they're there. It's just, it's, it's actually kind of mind blowing. Well, thanks for listening in on the next episode of Montrex Radio and our final installment of this three-part series. My guest Todd Hale and I delve deeper into our experiences in the field and I share some of the audio we've obtained from our recent investigative efforts. Stay tuned. And remember, today's myth could be tomorrow's reality.
Monster X Radio. 